Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Nobody move, please. We are going back to the airport. Don't try to make any stupid moves. Anybody know what that smoke is in Lower Manhattan? I'm sorry, say again? A lot of smoke in Lower Manhattan. A lot of smoke in Lower Manhattan? Out of the uh, top of the World Trade Center building, the major fire. Hey, can you look out your window right now? Yeah. Can you, can you see God about 4,000 feet about 5 east of the airport right now? Looks like he's... Yeah, I see him. You see God, look, is he descending for the building also? He's descending really quick too, yeah. Well, that's... Well, he's 500 feet now. He just dropped 800 feet in like, a, like one, one sweep. That's, that's another situation. Another one just hit the building. Wow. Oh my God, wow. Another, another one, one just hit it hard. Another one just hit the world fade. The whole building just uh, came apart. Oh Holy smokes. Welcome to today's podcast on the Doctrine Matters podcast. As you probably are aware, that is some audio from 9-11. 2001. As you know, uh, many of you were alive then, and many of you know where you were. You know what you were doing then. You know uh, what grade you were in, what class you were in, what teacher you may have had. Many of you know what you were doing on that day of, of work, if that's the case. You just, everybody remembers that day that was alive, and uh, even if you were not alive, you remember 9-11-2001 because I have kids that even remember it well, they don't remember what they were doing because they weren't here, but they know about 9-11. 9-11 is one of those things that we as a people should never forget. And as it stands right now, it's September the 15th, and this past Friday was September the 11th, which was the 19-year anniversary of the two planes flying into the World Trade Center as, as well as the Pentagon, and also the plane that fell into the empty field, I believe, was headed to the White House. Um, just a tragic day all the way around. So many people lost their lives. So many, so many people died as heroes. So many people um, were heroic in going in and saving people. And you see images and you you hear things from that time. And matter of fact, I was watching a, a, a YouTube podcast today by someone, and they were talking about this. And they they, they showed the picture of. The Jumping Man, I believe is what they call it. I think there may be even a documentary about The Jumping Man. And basically, these people on this this upper-level floors, they were either going to burn to death and die of smoke inhalation, or they were going to jump and fall to their death. And many of you saw the video clips. You saw that they were choosing to jump to their death. Tons of people doing this from the top floors of the World Trade Center. And uh, these are just somber moments in our in our history, in our world, in our time. And as we reflect on these things, it is sometimes even just as heavy and, and weighty now, 19 years later, as it was the day it happened. I personally remember that I was entering into a computer class at a community college where I was a freshman for the uh, the time of day it happened. I was coming in. I, everybody had their TV on in the classroom and kind of figuring out what's going on here and uh, the professor 
had their TV on in our room and, and just kind of seeing the destruction that was taking place and not really fully comprehending exactly what was happening on the television because I, young, uh, eight, just turned 18 years old, um, experiencing freedom for the first time, so to speak, as a lot of 18-year-olds typically do when they uh, become an adult and, and go to a college campus. So I didn't really know what I was watching, so to speak. So get through class and, and go home before I go to work, and I turn on the, the television and all of the news stations. This is um, where, I mean, you'd still have it now, but it was just kind of the beginning, seemed like, of breaking news and, and staying on coming through the uh, normal uh, local channels. And every channel had something about what was going on, and they stayed on the air for hours and hours and hours. And I'll never forget really understanding that two planes had just flown into these buildings and then another plane into the Pentagon. I mean, it's one of those things, you, it's just kind of surreal. It's kind of like in a movie. You don't really expect. And I know that from 9-11, there have been a lot of conspiracy theories. There have been a lot of things that have taken place, a lot of things that have been said about that. But I'm not here to get caught up in a, a conspiracy theories. I'm not here to get caught up in, uh, it, was this an inside job? Was it not an inside job? Was this really something to do with Osama bin Laden and all of the people overseas? I'm not here to talk about the political side of this thing. I'm talking specifically because this podcast is about doctrine, so we want to talk about church things. We want to talk about the way the culture is... Um, headed. We want to talk about the way the culture is headed. We want to talk about the church's role in culture. We want to talk about the church's role uh, in general. We want to talk about doctrine in general. But one thing that I can remember, we can all remember things about September the 11th, but one thing in particular that I remember is for a few weeks after this happened, the churches were full. It did not matter where you went to church personally. Now, you may have a different story, but for the most part, this is a majority. Now, there's probably some outliers that uh, didn't have a lot of people show up to it, but whatever. But for the most part, people that weren't coming to church on the rolls, on the membership list, that they started showing up. Extra people started showing up. There were churches that were just slam-packed to the brim. I mean, for two, three, four weeks, people were coming to church as they've seen this tragedy take place on this national scale. Something that this country had really never seen before. This is just something that was uh, just abnormal to the world, to, to the country that we live in. I mean, we have videos of these airplanes flying into these buildings, and that is something that uh, a lot of times that doesn't normally happen, but there are videos that we see. We see the people jumping out of the buildings. We see the fires that are coming out. We see the buildings collapse. We hear about uh, the the men and women that rushed to the scene and, and tried to rescue as many as they could. We've heard about those that lost their lives. We've heard about so many things, and this was just new for us as a country. And then from this tragic event, churches everywhere filled up. Now, in that moment, that was a great thing to see churches just filling, filling up and people showing up and people coming to the church to, to pray, to hear the Word of God, to uh, just figure it all out. And it, it's great that many people turn to the church, but let me ask you a question. Where did they go? Why, why are the churches not still full, if not fuller? Why, I live in the South. You all know this. I live in the South where I can walk out of my front door and throw a rock and hit a church. I can take 30, 40, 50 more steps and nearly hit another church. I can go into the city 
and I can just about hit a church building with a with a rock everywhere I turn. So we have a lot of churches in the South, but as a result of how many people showed up in these churches after 9-11, it seems like we should double the number of churches that we have now. And, and, and in the South, we have plenty. But the way that the United States of America, the people in this nation responded, had they still been in church, we would have double what we have now. And I wonder what happens. And I, I have an idea of what has happened and why churches aren't full anymore and what happened to everybody. It's kind of this, this shock that takes place, this shock that comes over our bodies and this need that we need this need for reconciliation. We better get right with the Lord, man, because this is tough. This is crazy. I can't believe this has happened. And I have a feeling once everything kind of went back to quote unquote normal, after things kind of died off and the level of uh, awareness and this this hype from this tragic event kind of started leveling off and wearing off, people started going back to their normal everyday routines and they never showed back up to church again. Not everybody, obviously, but many people just went back to their jobs, went back to their homes. They started living their lives the way they were before because it's in these times of tragedy, it's in these times of uh, really uncertainty that people start looking for things and they start looking to religion. They start looking to the church because the church has all the answers, right? And I would say the church has the answers to to all of life. It's Christ. It's Christ crucified. It's uh, it's how to live according to his standard, not our own. Sadly, many people were living according to their own standards, and then they see something like this happen, and they came into the churches, and then everything, the hype wears off, and they're back to living the way they were before with no change. And I wonder how many pastors during this time were preaching the Bible. How many people were preaching Christ crucified? How many people were proclaiming boldly the gospel of Jesus Christ? And I wonder how many of these pastors did not do that. And they started relating some sort of story in the Bible with the tragedy happening in our world. I, I wish and only hope that many, 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 many pastors during this time boldly and, and, and ferociously preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, but I don't know if that's the case. I know there had to be some, but where? It, why did the people not stay filling the churches each Sunday? Because their need for God had diminished when the threat and the hype of 9-11 diminished. Now, it even hurts me to say that because it is one of those things that you really don't want to be true. You don't want the fact that people needed God just for a moment because maybe they were scared, maybe they were frustrated, maybe they were uncertain and, and they thought they would just take God out of his magic bottle, his genie in a bottle type, I'm going to go to God, I'm going to let him make me feel better for a couple of weeks, and then I'm going to get back to doing what I want to do when the threat decreases and when the, when the hype from 9-11 decreases. And sadly, that's the world that we live in now. I, it, we see things on a level in our country there there is no shortage of things and if you've been listening to the podcast you know that there are tons of things that are happening in our world right now especially in our nation these are things that are happening in our nation that should be driving people to churches again we are again in uncertain times we are at a a level of threat in our own nation in our own country we're we're kind of at war with ourselves here and People are railing against biblical Christianity. They're railing against the church. In most cases, they're trying to close the churches 
when just 19 years ago, people were flooding the churches. Is it going to take another terror attack, a domestic, or I mean a foreign terror attack? Because we've got some domestic attacks that are taking place, and apparently that's not getting the attention of our people, of the people in this world, because we need to be in churches. We need to hear the gospel boldly proclaimed. We need to be repenting of our sin, not only individually, but also as a country. But the problem is, we seem to be a country that has lost its way even more. We seem to be a country that is now satisfied with the sinful lifestyles that we have found ourselves living in. We seem to be a country that is satisfied with the way things are going, and those that aren't satisfied with it are trying to find other ways to get over these things or try to stop these things when really we need to be flooding the churches again. Sadly, we live in a world where people want to put God in their own little box. They want to think of God as a, as a, as a, a God uh, that they can melt down and, or, or pull from. They say, well, I like this part of who God is. I like this part of who God is. I like this part of who God is. I don't like this. I don't like that. So I'm going to fashion this God into what I think he should be, what I like, because my emotions, my thoughts, what I believe makes me like this God and this is a God I can love and serve rather than this God. So they're manipulating and, and mutilating the God of the Bible for them to fit a God that is easy to like and love. It, that leaves out all the hard parts. That leaves out the wrath. That leaves out who he truly is. And once you do that, you get this God that they have fashioned in their hearts that they put in their pocket, and they only pull him out when they need him, because that's one thing that they like about this God is, I can call on this God, I can talk to this God whenever I need him. He's going to help me get a good grade on my test. He's going to help us get through 9-11. He's going to help me get through all the things in my life that are just devastating to me. So I'm just going to pull this little God out, and I'm going to pray to him when I need him, and then I'm going to stick him back in my pocket, and I'm going to live a life of sin and debauchery for the rest of my life. But God's still with me, and I'm he's here when I need him, and I'm going to take him out and and rub on him like a, like he's in a, a lamp, like a genie in a bottle type thing. That's the God that people in this nation, in this world, they have fashioned for themselves. They are totally blind because they have suppressed who God truly is and what the Bible says about himself. And this is a sad reality that we must come to terms with, is that too many people are too busy fashioning their own God rather than loving and serving the God of the Bible, and it's keeping people out of church because their God tells them they don't have to go to church to be a Christian. They don't have to go to church to be with those hypocrites. They can worship God in their home. That's the God that they have fashioned that tells them that. And when tragedy strikes nowadays, they're either, uh, they've become calloused to it, or they have nowhere to turn. They, they don't have hope because the little God that they've put in their pocket doesn't provide them any hope. He doesn't provide them any comfort. He doesn't provide them a way to escape the reality that's going on all the way around them. So this is the, the sad reality of where we are as a nation now, where we once seen tragedy and we filled the churches. Now the churches are empty and the government's even trying to stop them because we have let the enemy come through this nation and 
and, and deliver to us sin on a platter, and people are taking it like it's an hors d'oeuvre, like it's an appetizer at a restaurant. They're just taking it, and they're eating it up, and they're, they're falling in love with it because, you know, God is love, right? And he would, he, he, all he wants is for the LGBTQ to be included in everything. Well, the biblical church, the biblical worldview says that homosexuality is an abomination to God and those that are homosexuals and have not repented of sin and trusted in Christ alone for salvation will not inherit the kingdom of God. And listen, don't pick on me here. Don't say, well, you're just throwing rocks at the homosexuals. No, I'm not. The Bible is, but the Bible also goes on to say, nor drunkards, nor idolaters, nor the evil, nor the covetousness, nor any of those people. So we just don't have to throw rocks at the LGBTQ, but that's not what we're doing. We don't throw rocks. We throw the scriptures because the Bible teaches these things. So we have got these people in our in our world, in our nation, that have fashioned this God, that have accepted sin on a platter, that they say LGBTQ, the homosexual agenda is okay. They have accepted the fact that there can be a billion uh, genders, right? That there's more than just male and female. You can have this transgender uh, thing going on, and, and, and people believe that. They've eaten it up with uh, all they have. They, they just love it, and they believe that it's true just because somebody else told them it was. And the God that they fashioned in their little pockets is, is the God of love. So therefore, that God is not going to tell them anything different because that God tells them they don't even have to read their Bibles as to Christians because, you know, these types of gods are, are going to be the ones that fit our agendas fit our emotions fit our needs and wants so we are going to not serve the god of the bible and when this happens we will be blown away by every doctrine everything that comes our way we're just going to follow it like a like a a leaf in a windstorm we'll just take off with it because we don't trust and know the true god of the bible it's in Ephesians chapter 4 that we see this, that if we are believing in the, the true Bible, the biblical God, or the God of the Bible, rather, we'll see that we'll no longer, Ephesians 4.14, that we'll no longer be infants tossed about by the waves and carried around by every wind of teaching and by the clever cunning of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will, in all things, grow up into Christ himself, who is the head. From him, the whole body, fitted and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love through the work of each individual part. So if we are rooting ourselves in Christ, in the scriptures, and the true God of the Bible, we're not going to be just kind of blown away by every thing that man brings our way. And that is essentially what has happened in our world is people that profess to be believers have accepted this sinful lifestyle and these sinful behaviors as something that is okay. And they are blown away by man's flattery. They're blown away by these doctrines of man that are no good. They are of Satan. That's why we have transgender and cross-dressers going to public libraries and reading children's books and dancing on stripper poles because we believe that this is okay because God is love and he loves everybody. And if he, if somebody wants to be a, a male that is actually a female or a female that is actually a male and they want to be a cross dresser and they want to go to dance on a stripper pole in front of elementary school students, then God will love them just the way they are. No, thank you folks. That is not the God of the Bible. 
And that is the problem today in our society that we have gotten so far away from the word of God that we wouldn't know the true God if he walked up and slapped us in the face. Now, let me step back on that because we would know the true God if he walked up and slapped us in the face because it would come forth with judgment and we would know and we would bow the knee to Christ in that moment. So it was you know, obviously a figure of speech, but we just are biblical illiterate. We are illiterate of who God is because, again, let me go to the pulpit. We have men that are lacking in proclaiming the excellencies of Christ. We, are, we have men lacking in pulpits that are preaching boldly who God is, the biblical God, and preaching against sin. And no, not just homosexuality, not just transgender, not just, uh, not just against hate groups or Planned Parenthood, but preaching against sin as a whole. The totality of sin, preachers need to be preaching against and preaching a robust theology of who God is. And sadly, for years, we haven't seen that happen because we've got men that are standing in pulpits that rather be seen of and being cool and how they dress and teaching a false gospel wrapped up in love that is more palatable for people than to convict people by the word of God and using the word of God to convict people. Obviously, the preacher doesn't convict. It's the word of God that, that convicts people. And we have seen a, an influx of preachers come through that have shied away from a robust theology of God and have given in to this seeker-sensitive movement of what can we give our fellow men and women that come into our worship gatherings, what can we do to make them feel good? Well, they've given them a God that they can put in their pocket, that they can fashion themselves and how they want to, and they get motivated at each Sunday, and they get a pep talk, and they go out, and they love everybody. They love people even in their sin. They don't call them out. They don't preach the gospel because that's not the God in their pocket. And when tragedy strikes, they're either just, well, really, to be honest with you, when unbelievers and those with a small view of God, when tragedy strikes, there is no peace. There is no peace. If you know God, if you know the God of the Bible, if you trust his sovereignty, if you trust his providence, if you trust his goodness, his gracious, his mercy, his love, if you trust those things, then you will have a peace the Bible talks about that surpasses all understanding that when 9-11 happens, things like 9-11 it doesn't shake you internally. Yes, it will shake you physically, emotionally. It will cause you to shed tears and, and just have emotion. It will do those things, but spiritually you will be steadfast. You will be solid as a rock because your faith is in Christ Jesus, the cornerstone. That's what happens when you believe the God of the Bible is who he says he is. That's when you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's when you know that you can have peace even in the midst of all these things, even in the midst of all these riots and fires and earthquakes that are happening, in the midst of the, the terror that is happening right here in our own nation, you can have peace because you know the true God of the Bible. Now, we've got to stop preaching feminism. We've got to stop preaching transgenderism. We've got to stop preaching homosexuality. We've got to stop preaching Black Lives Matter movement. We've got to stop preaching the Ku Klux Klan. We've got to stop preaching that an abortion will make all things better. And sadly, people that profess Christ believe those things. They have fallen into the trap because they don't have a solid biblical view of who God is. And now if 9-11 were to happen again, just different buildings, 
they would have no hope. Would they even run to the church? Because the, the, churches, uh, the churches would not accept those type things. They would accept those people in, but they would not condone that lifestyle or those behaviors. And therefore, we've seen it. When some people don't agree, they, there's confrontation. You can't disagree with people anymore. You can't call sin, sin anymore without confrontation. And sadly, those people that believe in these doctrines of man will run to biblical churches and they'll be met with loving and open arms, but they won't be able to stay because they will disagree with them immediately on their doctrine. They'll call them antiquated bigots and, 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 and homophobes and all these other things. But that's what happens when you fashion the God out of your own emotion. There's nowhere for you to run. So the only place that you can run is Christ and Christ crucified. And if you understand who God is, you'll understand Jesus, and you'll understand that he came and he died for your sins. He shed his blood. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. He's seated at the right hand of God, and one day he's coming back. And the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you will be saved. You believe he came and he died and he rose again for your sins, and you confess him as Jesus, the Lord of your life. And the Bible says, you'll be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, but we have to understand who the Lord is. And the Lord is not going to be fashioned down into our pockets and be a pocket God. He is not going to be somebody that we can just call on when, he, when we need him. There's going to be no hope there. There's going to be emptiness there. We have to understand who God is, who he says he is. And that starts with a robust view of who he is, and we learn that from the word that he's given us. Even the hard parts, even those things that we can't fully comprehend, those things that make us go, what? Those things that make us scratch our heads, those things that he has given us in his word, we must study and we must believe. We must believe in the sovereignty of God. We must believe that he is providentially working and ruling and reigning in this world. We must believe that he sent his only son, Jesus, to, to die for the sins of many that he was buried, he rose, and he died, or he rose after he died, after he was buried, he rose again and seated on the right hand of God, and he's coming back. We believe these things because the Bible teaches it. We believe that homosexuality is wrong. We don't condone that lifestyle. We believe there are two genders. We, we believe that God created all things. We believe that he's going to make all things new. We believe that he, Jesus came through a virgin Mary. We get all of these things from the Bible. Listen, there was a uh, Ligonier put out a, a survey recently, and there was a third of people that professed Christ that didn't believe that he was the true son of God. And that's disturbing, that you have people that profess Christianity that do not believe Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, was even God. This is the problem, folks. We have let man shape our theology. Nineteen years ago, when our churches were full, there should have been a full, robust theology of God being preached in those moments. I know there were in some places. I know some people probably stayed from some of those churches. But what's it going to take to get those people back? It's going to take a robust view of God. It's going to take theology. It's going to take doctrine. And it's going to mean that those words can't be bad words. A lot of people associate the words doctrine and theology as some sort of bad words that are old and antiquated and shouldn't be said in the church anymore because it's not relevant. Folks, what has relevance gotten us? What is hip and cool and God's fashioned from our emotions and put in our pocket? What has that gotten us? It's gotten us nowhere in 19 years, and I don't see us getting us anywhere else but to judgment. So 
as we reflect over the past 19 years of the 9-11 attacks, when those churches were full, to now where there's attacks daily in our nation and our churches are almost empty. They're nothing compared to what they used to be. Folks, we have got to drive the gospel into our world. We have got to proclaim the excellencies of God. We have got to teach who God is. We have got to stand against sin. We have got to do work. We have got to be who God has called us to be, and that is to be bold, passionate, making disciples regardless of the cost. It is going to cost us something to be true disciples of Jesus Christ. Are you willing to pay that cost? If you're a believer, you were supposed to count that cost before. So I pray that you're willing and ready to count the cost or, or, to, or to pay whatever the cost may be to minister to this lost and dying world and to preach Christ and Christ crucified. We've gotten so far from those full churches in 19 years. And I think with God's help, by God's grace, and men and women that bow the knee to Christ and say, here I am, send me, I'll go. You'll go into your workplace, into your communities, into your homes, into your state, and you will boldly and passionately preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and preach a robust view of who God is. And to do this, we must be studying who God is. We must understand who God is. So over the next few weeks, there may be uh, some more episodes that we may come out with practical ways to understand who God is. And I'd like maybe to do it in 15 or 20 minute episodes to where we just look at the character of God and we look at it from a biblical perspective. So over the next several episodes, we may do some who is God type stuff. And uh, that way you can maybe give it to the people that you know and send it out to people that you know and love and, and would you'd like for them to hear just who God is in a short form. So be on the lookout for that. We'll call it Who is God, and we'll look at his attributes, and uh, it'll be short, uh, maybe 15 minutes worth of who God is. Hopefully that will help us, that will help everybody get back to a robust view of God from his word. And maybe, by God's grace, we'll see those churches full again, and it won't be because of tragedy. It will be because the word has gone forth. Believers have done what they're called to do. And people have been saved, they've been changed, and they're gathering with the saints on Sundays, and they're going out and preaching and proclaiming the excellencies of Christ. And then others are being saved and coming and filling up the churches. I pray for a revolution, that we would stop, as Romans 12, 1 and 2 teaches us, that we would stop being conformed to the pattern of this world, but we'd be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Folks, we renew our minds from God's word, and then we renew our minds by his word and being obedient to his word. So I want to challenge you again, study the word, and get out there in your community and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I look forward to going through who God is with you over the next several episodes, or at least next several weeks. So look forward to that. Thank you for listening. Let's always remember the ones that gave their life and the ones that lost their lives in 9-11. And let's look past that as we honor them, but let's honor Christ and let's be obedient to his word as we reach a lost and dying world and pray that we see our churches full again of people that passionately pursue Christ and worship the Lord, giving God glory in all that they do. Until next time, folks, thank you again for listening. Have a great week, great weekend, and God bless.